What's up, everybody? What's up, Dr. Rogers? This is our live Q&A show with you. Um, we are, we've got so many great questions today. We've got uh, four really, really interesting ones, and uh, we're going to be taking questions throughout the show. Um, if you did not get your question in and want to send that to, to us during the show, you can. You can either put it in the comments or you can email us at info at performancemedicine.net or direct message our Facebook, our Instagram. Uh, we will be all over the place. We got our team looking and combing through the, the comments. Um, how's everybody doing? If you're, if you're with us, say hello. How are you doing, Dr. Rogers? I'm doing good, Ben. Did you like my, did you, did you like my intro? I love the intro. Yes. Very good. Very good. <laughs> um, I really liked it. Uh, now I, I have to say, you know, as, as people gather in here, we'll wait till, uh, we get a few more and we'll start the, start the questions. Uh, but it's, it's men's health week. Um, what's your, uh, what's your what's your thoughts on that? How's it how's it going in the it's office? Great. Um, it's going great. We've been super super busy, and um, you know, uh, Men's Health Week's a great week. You know, um, we're getting ready. Um, I'm getting ready to do a presentation with another physician um, in front of the uh, the Senate, the U.S. Senate. Oh, uh, nice staff. The the whole staff of the U.S. Senate. Um, their staffers are going to give a, a men's health presentation um, in a couple of weeks. So we're getting ready for that about uh, screening tests that uh, men need to do. And uh, we're also going to tie some generalized uh, screening for men and women in there. But it's really interesting in looking at some of the things that, you know, is effective for screening and preventive medicine. Um when you look at it, there's there's different opinions on it. So we're going to have a really good uh, time getting that together and then presenting it uh, in front of the Senate, uh, the Senate staffing committees. Uh, so I, I'm, um, I'm super fascinated. I know, you know, one big topic of discussion um, with everything around men's health is is the PSA from a from a screening perspective. And so I know that's something that you'll be addressing Um at that conference and, and we'll probably have to put out some content around stuff like that. Um, so happy men's health week, everybody. And Barbara, thank you for being here. Deborah, what's going on? Robin Riddle in Knoxville. What's going on? Hope you're doing hey, great. Uh, Barbara, Tara, what's going on, Tara? Great to see you. Um, and guys, I'll just, uh, we're getting ready to go into the question part of, uh, of our show and then We'll do that for around 15 minutes or so, and then we'll take live questions. So uh, if you have a question for Dr. Rogers, if anything comes up uh, as we're, we're talking here, put it in the comments. We're going to uh, we're going to take live questions. Um, it's our favorite part. And, and he and he means anything, any question you have. Yeah. You know, it, we're ready to, ready to handle it, right? It certainly doesn't mean uh, just men's health just because it's men's health week. We will take any questions uh, and we'll. Um, hopefully have a really cool show. So thank you. Everybody. See, women, women are smarter than men because I mean, it's all women on here watching right now. You know, I mean, women care more about their health than men do. The only reason men have any health care at all is because of women. So, so, so I, I guess we should say if, if any of the women on here have questions for their, you know, significant others, the men in their life, maybe a father, husband, boyfriend, brother, uh, you can put that in the comments and, and, and you can pass it along to them. That's uh, generally, is that generally how it happens inside the office where, you know, uh, women come in there and, and they, and they bring their, their, uh, the men in their life. 
A lot of times, yeah. And I always love it when the, the wife comes in there because you know you're going to get the truth, you know, <laughs> because the men a lot of times won't speak up. But actually today I did have a woman that made a new appointment. And she brought wanted her husband to be there to corroborate with things. So I thought that was pretty cool too. Do, so. you, do you generally recommend that when, when people come in to bring – uh, you, we, we say the word patient advocate quite a bit, um, specifically with, with hospital visits, but, uh, do you like, do you like it when, uh, a, you know, significant other or loved one comes in? Yeah, I really do. I really like it. It seems like a lot of times they get more out of the visit because one of them will be taking notes and the other one will be listening and, uh, and making sure usually the wife is the one that makes sure it gets done when they come in. But, um, so yeah, I really do like that a lot. Um, when the spouse is coming together and you get to know them both and, you know, it gives you a better feel for um, their life at home, their lifestyle, what they eat and, you know, how much they exercise, how they sleep. And yeah, I, I love it. It gives me a lot better picture. Um, I, I'll never forget this um, because it, it, you know, it was with uh, someone that, that I'm close to and, and, you know, we won't mention any names, but uh he brought in his wife and, and, and I'll, I'll never forget, you were just super direct with him because he was uh, a smoker and, and you had the wife there and you were just direct because his, his, his health was, was, was not doing great at the time. And, and, and you just looked, if you don't, if you don't quit smoking and you looked at the wife too, I remember you looked at her, uh, about, you know, quitting smoking and really taking that seriously and, and how, you know, she needs to hold him accountable. Um, you know, I, I, it probably allows you to be more direct when you got another person in there. Yeah, because they can't deny it, they haven't heard it. But yeah, the more I practice medicine, the more direct I am uh, with people. In kindness, you know, I mean, sure. you, you need to be honest with people. You, you yep. need to you know, let them know what, what you're thinking and all. But I'm not judgmental at no, all. No, it's just. Um, but I, I can be. But I think it's direct. good to, to just uh, to, to know exactly what's going on and what you need to do and. Uh, I think it's a good thing. All right, guys, so we're going to get into it. Jessica, what's going on? So good to see you uh, this week. And Lisa, hello. Uh, thank you guys for being there. Uh, if you're with us live, say hello. Um, if you have a question for Dr. Rogers, put that in uh, the comments, or you can uh, direct message us, and we'll get that on the show. Uh, first question is, can you explain the pros and cons of T-shots versus pellets that came over from Instagram? Thank you for that, all the Instagram people. Uh, what's your thoughts on that, Doc? Um, yeah, I mean, um, pellets are my favorite way to do hormones, male or female. And as a matter of fact, they were the first method of replacement of testosterone many decades ago was pellet, actually. Um, not a lot, a lot of people know about them. Um, you know, you, basically you have your creams um, versus your shots versus your pellets. The creams don't seem to be as effective in most people. Um for some reason, I don't use a lot of creams in men. Um, and because even with testosterone, you have to use a fairly high dose of cream. And if it gets on anybody else in the family, for the family dog, it's not good. But um, so I don't use a lot of creams in men. It's kind of messy. You got to put quite a bit on it. Um, so the, the shots, uh, probably the majority of the people, my patients uh, get shots um, either in the office or self-administered after I teach them how to do it. Um, uh, the pellets, you know, if you, if you know much about pellets, if you're willing to do it and it's easy, I do about six cases a day, 
Um, I actually probably do more women than men, but um, the pellets give you a nicer, more even release of the hormone. It's more physiologic than the shots are because the pellets, when you're more active, they, they give off more uh, testosterone and uh, when you're sleeping less. So it's more physiologic for sure. The shots are great. They work, you know, and you, but you do tend to peak, you know, in about two to three days and you trough out at seven days. So you need to at least get them once a week. Some people, uh, I do twice a week, uh, dosing at a lower dose. I have one guy who gives it every day subcutaneously. So you can uh, do different forms of it. You know, if you don't mind giving yourself that many shots or getting the shots, you know, it's, it's shots are good. You certainly, uh, will get good results from them. Um, but the pellets, I would have to say they're my favorite way. Um, it takes me a few minutes to get them in. They last about five to six months. And most men, you may have a sore butt for a couple of days. Um, but you know, you, you have, you can just forget about it. And also if I need to, to block down the estrogen in that patient, then I can put some anastrozole uh, in one of the pellets. So you don't have to worry about blocking that down with a pill. But so I would say my favorites are pellets, uh, but shots, my least favorite is the cream. Um, so um, is there any situation for a, a male where you would recommend um, shots over pellets? Uh, Cause I know that, you know, we have a ton of people on shots and, you know, yeah. I mean, if they don't have any fat on their, their, uh, hip area, then, you know, maybe, um, uh, not, not a lot. There's even a, there is an oral, uh, Jatinsi. It's a new oral testosterone, um, that doesn't affect your liver. So that's another fairly new option. We've had a hard time, uh, getting it passed on some uh, insurance uh, plans, but uh, so you got you got another little option there if you just want to take a pill. If it's safe traditionally, you, you shouldn't use oral forms of testosterone because it has to go through your liver, and certainly not methyl testosterone. Uh, but uh, so yeah, there's a lot of ways to do it. You know, everybody's different, so I give them all the options. But I will have to say, pellets are my my favorite way to do it. Love it. And for those uh, of you who know somebody on uh, T-Shots, we're running specials on that all week long. They are uh, $10 off, uh, going all week long for men's health. All right, we're going to go to the second question. Um, when a male starts hormone replacement therapy, is his natural testosterone production affected either in the short term or long term? Uh, yeah, it certainly is in the short term. Um you know, when you, it depends on the age that a, a patient comes to see me with low T, you know, if they're young, say a 30 year old, and we're seeing a lot of low T in late twenties and early thirties for sure. I think because stress, I see a lot in shift workers, a lot of people that are on a bunch of medications or they're very stressed out or um, that are obese, they're aromatizing their testosterone to estrogens. Um, people that don't sleep well, um, you know, there's a lot of reasons for low T, but the young guy, certainly you got to develop a strategy. First of all, you need to work it up and see if he's got primary or secondary hypogonadism. Um, you know, primary meaning testicular failure, secondary from pituitary 
inadequacy. Um, so you check the proper hormones like LH, FSH, prolactin, et cetera. Um, and then you develop a strategy so you won't shut down their pituitary gonadal axis. Um, uh, so um, because if you do give somebody just pure testosterone, it's going to subjugate their own testosterone production. In other words, if you, if you don't have to produce it yourself, then your body won't make it. Now, if you stop the testosterone uh, shots or whatever form you use, you'll go back to your baseline. I mean, you're not going to wipe it out unless you do some pretty crazy stuff that some of your bodybuilders have done at all. I mean, I, see, I saw one bodybuilder one time, and again, uh, I don't like to see bodybuilders. They don't come to me because they know I'm going to do it right, and I'm not going to give them ridiculous doses. But one, I do like to see them if they want to finally straighten out and get help and get a normal level of testosterone, not a super physiological level. Um, so a lot of times I do, I'll straighten them out and make sure nothing's going on and try to jumpstart their own production. I had one 30 year old longtime bodybuilder whose testosterone level was zero. Mm. I think that's the only guy I've ever seen that was zero. And, and, uh, you know, we, I had to try to get him jumpstarted again. So a lot of times I use a strategy of using, um, Clomid or ACG either by itself or along with testosterone to kind of, um, so you won't shut down their own production of testosterone. Now, once you get a certain age, um, like if you're old like me, 66, you know, you're not gonna produce a lot anyway. So it just depends on the age and, and all and what your levels are, what some of your, especially your luteinizing hormone level looks like. And, uh, you know, some there's some great strategies, especially with use of HCG that I use um, that, uh, works, uh, kind of synergistically with testosterone. You got to watch out about your sperm count going too, if you're trying to have kids. So a lot of times I'll check sperm counts on younger guys and, you know, certainly don't want to impair their fertility and you want to preserve their ability to make their own testosterone. Try to identify, you know, what could be causing them to have such a low testosterone. And, uh, there's even a few, genetic uh, abnormalities that can cause it some a rare pituitary tumor, which I found a few uh, when you work these things up properly. So uh, testosterone replacement is not just, here's your tee shot, you know, see ya, you know, give me your money. That's, it's just not the way it should be done. So you need to do it right and follow it right. So sometimes I'll, I'll cycle people on and off testosterone or add ACG in there with, with that. And, uh, you know, so it can affect uh, your production more in the short term than long term, unless you're just, you know, going crazy with these, you know, uh, steroids that you took at the gym or something. Uh, would you be so. would you be more concerned with the short term versus the long term? Because I think, you know, as a as a younger male, I'd be more concerned longer term. Right. If yeah, yeah I'd be more concerned about the long term, not the short term. OK. OK. So, But, uh, you know, if you come to our clinics, you're going to get it. It's going to be done right. Yeah. That's for sure. So. That is a great question that came in over email. Thank you for that. We're going to go to number three here. Um, another great question. Uh, you mentioned natural stress relief last week. Uh, and the natural stress relief, the, the, the life extension, uh, which has L-theanine in it, it also has lemon balm. Is lemon balm good or bad for thyroid if one has hypothyroidism? Oh, nobody ever asked me that question. Um, I don't think there's any reason lemon balm would affect your thyroid. Um, 
Well, some have seen that, but um, that brings up a good point. Like uh, if you are hypothyroid, you got to watch out sometimes for uh, cruciferous vegetables like broccoli and cauliflower because they can neg negatively affect your your thyroid if you're hypo. So you need to to look at that sometimes. Uh, very good question. Very good question there. I, don't, I think I don't think it'll affect your thyroid if you ever start any supplement or new medicine or anything and you, you feel tired or something, just go follow up on your lab test on your, your thyroid uh, function test and see if it has, but I haven't seen that. So this is a great um, question. I can um, look that up. All right. So we're going to go to the last question and oh, if you're, I'll remind everybody, if you're with us live uh, and you have questions for Dr. Rogers, put those in the comments. We're getting ready to, to go into the live Q and a portion of our show. Uh, which, which is always fun. We get some great questions in there. So you can go ahead and put those in. Um, and here we go on the last question here that came in throughout the week. Um, I saw your podcast today about low T and COVID-19. Does this mean if you get COVID, you should immediately start T shots? And I will preface that um, we, we put out a, our, our weekly email comes out on Tuesdays and, and that, that comes along with a, with a podcast episode. Uh, in honor of Men's Health Week, we talked about, um, low T and, and, and COVID-19. And I'll just, I'll let you take it from here, Dr. Rogers. Okay. Well, yeah, this is very interesting. If anybody hadn't seen the doctor's note from today, go look at it, especially men. Um, because, you know, we've known for a while that um, testosterone certainly helps your immune system and, and people have done better uh, that take testosterone preventing COVID. But I started researching it because of men's health week. And I'm, like I say, I'm, presenting some stuff in front of the Senate, uh, the U.S. Senate here later this month on men's health. And, um, you know, when I started digging into it, there's some recent studies that just blew my mind. As a matter of fact, um, I talked to an infectious disease expert today on it. I mean, th this is a real expert on it. Uh, and, um, Anyway, and he was astounded, too, about some of these studies that have come in from Europe and also one out of um, uh, Washington University at St. Louis, one of the premier uh, medical centers in the country. And the statistics are just dumbfounding to me. First of all, worldwide, twice as many men died as women uh, from COVID. And, you know, if you look at the risk factors, certainly obesity, uh, low vitamin D or, or top in there, diabetes, but um, they found out that um, t low testosterone was so prevalent among these COVID patients that had to be hospitalized. It was unbelievable. It was something like 90% of people that had to be hospitalized for COVID had really low T scores. Now, I'm talking about low, low T you know, 50, 80. I mean, I rarely see that low. Um, you know, low to me is 300. So, um, you know, and maybe that's why, you know, I didn't notice a lot of people, of my patients that were on testosterone uh, got COVID or had a severe case of COVID. Um, so that their chance of dying with low T was was really, really outstandingly high. Um, an infectious disease doc today confirmed this with me. He looked at several studies and um, 
it gets complex on how the mechanism works, but we all know that women's immune systems are generally better than men's. And, and when COVID hits you, um, it causes an inflammatory reaction and to help fight off that virus. And the thing about women, and after that infl initial inflammatory reaction uh, dies down, your B and T cells, especially the T cells, come in to fight the virus. And women have a much better T cell response than men do. And it turns out that this, everybody's heard about how this virus enters into your lungs. It's through uh, something called an ACE2 receptor. It has a lot to do with blood pressure, but um, and it turns out that in men, this uh, ACE2 receptor is upregulated, so it produces an overreaction or that cytokine storm. And so they have an, an overreaction of inflammation. The cytokine storm is what kills you. And then a lack of the T cell uh, response like women do. And man, it can be a disaster for men. Uh, and so the finding that these, they start checking T levels on these guys and the, the T levels are really low and the virus itself further decrease your testosterone levels. So, so low this became virus lower. knows this virus knows what it's doing. I mean, it's, it's, you know, trying to kill people. So um, that was just, was an astounding finding 90% that had to be hospitalized had low T. So, and the word here is, so check your T levels and make sure that that's an important part of your health. I mean, guys, remember, testosterone placement is not just for your libido, your muscles. It's for your immune system, your bones, your brain, your vitality, everything. And there's a lot of misconceptions about testosterone. It does not cause prostate cancer, prevents it from anything. It does not cause heart disease or stroke. Now, you have to know what you're doing, of course, like checking your hematocrit and estrogen levels, but it's it's actually very protective of everything if you balance your T levels out. Um, you know, so the second phase of that question was, if you get COVID, should you immediately get T shots? No, not really, because, you know, there's no proof that it's going to help at, at that late point. As a matter of fact, it could bump your hematocrit up and cause more coagulation of your blood. So I would not recommend that unless I see some new evidence that it works for that. Um, you also could get aromatization estradiol, which, you know, is not great for men. So the word is, this is, this is a huge finding, you know, um, I wish they would start getting the word out with, you know, all these worldwide for men to start checking their T levels, you know, and they need to check, of course, vitamin D levels. Um, so, um, that was, that was a, a landmark study that came out and they're, they're duplicating that and, and several other studies. So get your T levels checked and balance your T levels. Well, and, and one thing that, you know, I, I know you wrote about was um, how the, it, this somewhat explains why the elderly um, have had, you know, such a, such a hard time with COVID. Um, elderly men who are generally have low testosterone levels. Have low T. Um, and, you know, so the, what, what I'm hearing is you don't, you shouldn't treat testosterone like zinc, in this, in this, in the case of like, okay, just go ahead and start getting on T shots. Uh, right. like we've been, you know, we've been yelling from the rooftops to get on vitamin D, take your zinc, quercetin, vitamin C. Um, but this should give a lot of confidence, uh, for the people who are on hormones or who have healthy, yeah. you know, T levels. Right. 
Um, right. Now, for the person who um, wants to prevent it, doesn't have COVID, would you suggest, hey, you need to you need to check your T levels and of course, yeah, of course, consider getting of on course replacement, of course, for everything, not just COVID, but for your whole uh, immune system. Um, so yeah, definitely. That's part of, that should be part of your routine physical as you age is checking that T level and going by symptoms too. I mean, if you're symptomatic, definitely think about, uh, T replacement. And the other thing I, that also kind of affirms, um, we had a question last week about, you know, when should you stop hormones? You know, is there an age where you should stop? And, you know, you seemed pretty, um, pretty emphatic to, you know, never, you know, um, it's not like, something why would you, you stop. Yeah. I guess when you want to give up, stop, you know, when you want to become brittle and really get old and stop. Same thing for women. I get that question all the time. How long should I take these hormones? Forever. You know, uh, you get your routine. It just forces people too to get like women to get the routine mammograms and all and for men to check their prostates and uh, check their blood counts, etc. But uh um, great question. Re really great questions, uh, this week. And, uh, now we're going to go into the comments here. Tracy, so good to see you. Thank you for, for hanging out. Um, and we're going to get to Terry's question here. It looks like Terry has one. And, uh, if you have a question for Dr. Rogers, if you're with us, um, shoot us a, a, uh, put it, put it, put it in the comments and we'll get to it. Um, okay. So Terry asks, can diabetes be reversed and then kept at bay with diet and exercise? Or does the diagnosis stay forever? That's a great question. Yeah, definitely type 2 diabetes can be reversed. And 95% of diabetics are type 2 um, based on your weight, what you eat, some family history. But, uh, you know, unless it gets, if you've had it for many, many years and you've had to go on insulin and your pancreas no longer puts out insulin, maybe not. But that's rare. I mean, you know, I hate putting type two diabetics on insulin. Mm -hmm. uh, I'd rather get them on uh, some different agents that we have and certainly a low carb diet and probably some intermittent fasting, but yeah, type two diabetes can definitely be reversed uh, without question uh, and even without medication. So, um, you know, think about that. What's interesting is um, one thing, you know, Terry. We have a um, we have a, di a diabetes focused um, Q and A live segment that we do with my brother Andy, who uh, who has type one diabetes, and uh, but but he's a specialist in type two as well. And um, you know, I encourage you and, and and anyone in here who who is um, is is wanting to learn more about diabetes or wanting to reverse type two diabetes. Uh, to come join us. We're still working on a consistent time, but uh, we try to do that every single week. Uh, but one thing, Dr. Rogers, that, that Andy talks about is, you know, once you get that diagnosis, he, he kind of acts like, you know, you have type 2 diabetes forever, you know, but you can, you know, keep symptoms, you know, at bay. What's your, what's your thoughts on that, you know, in terms of, you know, does that diagnosis ever go away? Well, yeah, I think it should go away. Definitely. If you earn the right for it to go away, it should be abolished. So I don't like to label people anyway with disease. I mean, they're just a person that may have a particular uh, illness, but it hopefully is temporary, mm -hmm. not permanent. Uh, type one, unfortunately, at this point is not curable. Mm -hmm. You know, hopefully one day it will be. Um, but 
type two definitely is. And I don't like the label, you know, granted you may have metabolic syndrome. You may be predisposed to it, but you can certainly overcome it and not carry that label of diabetes. I mean, it may affect your insurance, your life insurance, health insurance, whatever. But, um, it's kind of nice to know that, um, you're not a diabetic anymore. That's interesting. One thing that Andy talks a lot about is, you know, say you do, you know, um, have type two diabetes or even, you know, pre-diabetes, you know, one thing he encourages everybody, and I know you do as well is to, you know, eat like somebody who has type two diabetes in terms of low carb and, and, you know, Mm -hmm. watching what you eat. Is that, is that something you would agree with? Yeah. I think everybody should eat like a diabetic. Tell my patients that every day, eat like a diabetic should eat. Um, see how bad sugar makes you feel when you cut out sugar and then you eat sugar and see how bad you feel. Um, so it's kind of wild. Yeah. Um, so definitely agree with that. Um, well guys, it it looks like we don't have any more live questions. We're going to, uh, sign off here in a minute. If you have a, a quick question, go ahead and put it in. If not, uh, we're going to, to sign off. Um, this has been, uh, so much fun as always. This is uh, one of my favorite segments of the week. Uh, if you guys want to get caught up on, on everything that we're putting out from a, from a health and wellness education standpoint, head over to the YouTube channel. Uh, all, of it, all of our videos are housed there, and, and, and you can you know, kind of do a deep dive on, on all things health. we got some really cool videos out this week. So, uh, so check that out. Guys, this has been a blast. Dr. Rogers, I'm going to let you go. You're going to take a walk because I'm, you know, it's a, it's a beautiful day. I'm sure you're taking a walk. Uh, I think I'll get on my bike tonight and go biking. There you go. Uh, Yes. Beautiful summer. That's probably why everybody wants to get out and enjoy this beautiful summer weather. And uh, so have fun. It's beautiful. Hopefully, you know, the mat, most of the masks are off now and, you know, everybody's feeling a little bit more open with uh, getting out and enjoying different things so it's kind of encouraging uh to see the sun roll around and i'm certainly excited about um uh going forward and hopefully this terrible past year will teach us a bunch of lessons about staying healthy yep certainly we need it it's been a it's been a gut punch really to our whole country our whole world especially our country who got it the worst who should have been prepared for it the most and uh, just suffered. So um, I think hopefully we're on the right track and um, we can um, toast our good health in the future. So I completely agree. Thank you for that. Um, and, and guys, it's Men's Health Week. We're, we're celebrate the, the men in our lives. Uh, Father's Day is coming up. Happy early Father's Day to you, Dad. Um, <laughs> I don't, I don't like you. to, you know, I try to, I try to, uh, you know, say Dr. Rogers during this segment, but as most of you guys know, um, Dr. Rogers is my dad. Um, so we will be celebrating. I can't wait to see you here in a couple days. Yeah, I hope you go shopping, get something good, maybe <laughs> go down the sporting goods center or something. Well, you go take a, a bike ride. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go shopping. Um, but guys, I hope everybody has a wonderful evening. Go get outside, do something fun. Dr. Rogers, as always, thank you for your time. Love you guys. Thank you all for being here. Uh, we will see you guys next week, next Tuesday, 7 p.m. See y'all. Don't go away.
Thanks, guys, for listening to this episode of the podcast. Uh, Please share the podcast with your friends. And if you haven't subscribed yet, please subscribe. Uh, We will see you guys next time.